I think it's safe to say that the first weekend of racing in 2020 was a little crazy, to say the least. What's going on, everybody? Suits from the KVJ Show at 97.9 WRMF. It's the Flag to Flag podcast. And, of course, I've got my co-host, Kristen Schiaffoletti, in here. Kristen, it was a little bit of a wild weekend, don't you say? Oh, it was more than that. Uh, we got a lot <laughs> to talk about, I guess, is what you can say. But, you know, we'll start out with what was technically the biggest thing that went on, setting the front row for the Daytona 500 and certain drivers getting their opportunities to lock in with the fastest two speeds of the open cars that don't have to sweat the blue-green vacation duels that will set the remainder of the 2020 field for the Daytona 500. First and foremost, you know, I said on the show last week, and I don't think I was going out on a limb. For the five years in a row, Hendrick Motorsports has won the Daytona 500 poll, and I, I expected that to continue. Mm-hmm. And they were so close. Second, third, and fourth went to Hendrick cars, but the guy who I did not expect <laughs> to be sitting on did. the poll, <laughs> I, Ricky Stenhouse Jr., JTD Daughtry Racing. I did not see that coming in the least. Um, hell of a lap, too. I yeah. mean, they went out early. They scorched the field to start this thing out, and then... It did. It got to the point where Hendrick got close to them, but nobody could get it done. Alex Bowman came close. He came about five one hundredths off. But still top five. Not oh, you know H- for Hendrick for everybody crushing it. You know that's what we expect <laughs> right. out of him. And you know when you do think about it, there's Hendrick uh, horsepower under the hood of that forty seven. So uh, Hendrick kind of got beat by their own powertrain there on another organization. Huge deal though for the 47 team for JTD Daughtery and for um, Ricky Stenhouse Jr. of course losing his ride at Roush Fenway switching over and you're on the Daytona 500 pole you know it it doesn't necessarily translate to how you're going to race in the Daytona 500 but it's a big deal to win the pole for the Great American Race. booster I feel like you go in and you're like we got this (laughs) we just showed everybody up. You know you got the (laughs) horsepower behind you and you know you get to do the media tour. I saw he was on Fox and Friends this morning that was stop number two so you're getting a lot of attention for doing that. Alex Bowman is on the front row once again. Did Hendrick you see the trophies that they get? They get yes. I don't. You don't get trophies like that for any other poll. You get right. it for Daytona. And I was like, oh my, all right. You get to be on the <laughs> poll for a week too. That doesn't happen very often. You know, you get that feeling like, yeah, I'm starting first. Like this is good. I'm a, I'm a pro. <laughs> and it's it's a double edged sword though because you don't have to sweat the dual races as far as your starting position. But mm-hmm. if you crash in the duel. You lose that position. It's not locked in. Or if you crash in any of the practice sessions, you're you're not safe in that situation. And what's so different about the more abbreviated speed weeks that we have now is there's no practice on Wednesday or Thursday before the dual races. This is an impound race for the next four days right. after you qualify. So that that's really interesting because when it comes to setting up your car, it's like, okay, if we go for more speed and we, we sacrifice what would be handling in the pack and we get on the front row, okay, doesn't matter. But if we do that and don't get on the front row, we can't touch this car mm-hmm. before the dual race. So now we're probably going to have a handful in traffic. And you could really see the cars that were trimmed out for speed because they were sparking. They were so low to the ground. I mean, the 47 car had a trail that sparks like you wouldn't believe, and it was the fastest lap of anybody. Mm-hmm. And you normally wouldn't expect that. You'd think that this is hurting them, but no. Contra- uh, contrary to what you would think, that was what was the cars that were running the fastest. So I think when you look at um, Ricky Stenhouse Jr. and those guys on the front row paid off. Now you go back a little bit further on the qualifying lineup. Even the other Hendrick guys, Elliott and Johnson, third and fourth, 
They were trimmed for speed, but their positions aren't locked in. So how are they going to race in the duels? That can be a big deal. And and the same thing goes for what's almost more important in this qualifying. The guys who are trying to lock themselves into the Daytona 500, the the open teams, three of them are going home. 43 drivers for 40 spots. It's tough to make the Daytona 500. Now, there are two guys who are relaxed. Those are the guys that were fastest on the speed charts. Justin Haley, Cowlick Racing will make their debut in the Daytona 500. Woo-hoo. They are the <laughs> fastest of the open teams with a 31st place lap. Brendan Gone, Beard Motorsports. They're only making those four starts in his These final are two season. teams that you wouldn't like. Well, I'm so happy for Cowlick. Right, but that's what I mean. Like two teams that aren't always well this is this is their first race ever right you know and they're great in xfinity but it's a big deal when you come especially to the daytona 500 and if you don't know how it works when we get to the um the blue green vacation duel in in each duel race because we have 36 locked in Mm -hmm. the top finishing non-locked in team will advance and get positions 37 and 38 one from each race and then the final two spots are the fastest drivers that aren't locked in based on the single uh, laps that they ran on Sunday. So for Justin Haley and Brendan Gone, they know for sure, look, we were the fastest too. Even if we don't make it, nobody can be faster than us. But if, say, Justin Haley or Brendan Gone get that position in advance, now somebody who was not the top two fastest can potentially get in. For instance, if one of those guys advances, Reed Sorensen, who qualified 34th, is going to be guaranteed a spot. It's because... They don't need to rely on their speed, and now there's only one guy faster than him. It's not possible. And then the same will go for Timmy Hill if both of them advance. Now, for the drivers who fall below that category, they have to race their way in. They can't fall back on speed. It's just not going to happen. And I think the biggest shock of it all um, is Gaunt Brothers Racing. Remember, we talked a lot about Daniel Suarez signing to this team. He was not locked into the 500. I, I honestly forgot they weren't a chartered team. I thought they were. So not only does he have to qualify on speed on Sunday, but he was the fifth fastest open team, which means that he has to race his way in. In his dual race, he must be the top finisher, or Daniel Suarez so is going to miss the 500. On you. Well, you think about it, too. This is a plate, or uh, I say plate track. They're not anymore, but right. the same principle applies to Daytona and Talladega. It's pack racing. So much is out of your control. Daniel Suarez, when he goes into his race, all the open drivers, he has to beat them all, or he's going home. That is some nerve-wracking stuff. <laughs> that's a lot. I mean... And that's a big name to miss the Daytona 500, even with Gaunt Brothers. I mean, this is somebody who was driving for Stuart Haas last year. You're still known, right. He had a shot to make the playoffs. So to think that, okay, Daniel Suarez may be sitting out this like this year's 500. All or nothing. Yeah. yeah. He, and they weren't fast enough. Plain and simple, they did not have the speed to put themselves in good position. And they are in the worst possible position. There is no scenario where they make it on speed and they have to race their way in. I mean, that's that's rough. I wonder if he's kicking himself right now. About I don't this, think he is. I still think he's committed. That he did. Well, you know, because I, I stand by it. I really felt like he'd be better off running the Xfinity Series for the championship with Richard Childress Racing. It's a great ride. It just won the title, the two car, but he stayed in Cup and and he's committed to it. You know, in his interview, right. he basically said, "Look." We're I mean, not going to be, be now. well. You got no choice, yeah. <laughs> but he's like, look, we're, we're not. Com- we're committed. We, I'm going to take an opportunity where I'm going to win. If I don't think I can win, I'm not going to take. And he said, we're not going to win right off the bat. But I'm confident that this team can improve over the months and get us into that position. 
I love the optimism. Right. I do. And I would love to see that happen. I think at that point, that's all you can have is optimism. But, you know, if I was a betting man, I would be backing away from that as much as humanly possible. It's not happening. Right. I really do believe that. Uh, unfortunately, I don't understand the decision, but now he's in tough spot. He must be the best finishing open team in his duel, or he is going to pack up and miss the 2020 Daytona 500. And I did not see that one coming. I really didn't. So the guys that are locked in, they're in good shape. Justin Haley, Brendan Gaughan, doesn't matter what happens in those duel races. They're good to go. The front row, as long as they don't crash, they're staying there. So you've got Ricky Stenhouse Jr. on the pole, Alex Bowman uh, on the outside of the front row. And then after that, that's it. Everybody else, where you finish is where you race. So it's going to be interesting to see what happens in this blue-green vacation duel as we get closer to the Daytona 500. We're less than a week away from the race. and It is setting in. (laughs) Oh, it's so close. It's literally like, I could taste it. Well, I mean, we got past the opening of Speed Weeks, and now the countdown's on. Right. You know, I mean, once we get to Thursday, we're racing every single night up until the Daytona 500. And we all know how big of a deal this race is. I mean, there's nothing like the Daytona 500. This is the race that everybody is looking at and you know there's a couple of guys out there that we talk about that are so overdue for the daytona 500 i think no name comes out more than kyle bush you know we talk about uh dale earnhardt Mm -hmm. 20 years to win the daytona 500 and every year when is it going to happen is it ever going to happen daryl walsh was the same way what was it i think his 17th year trying to win that race it finally happens and i guess you just don't realize it but kyle bush debuted in 2005 as a full-time driver it is 2020 and he has not won the daytona 500 15 years he's been in this race and he has not been able to get to victory lane he's in a position you know tony stewart was fantastic at daytona but what happened at the end of it he never got that daytona 500 even with all the speed weeks wins the july race wins so now we're sitting in this position and all you can think is All right. Is Kyle Busch ever going to do it? It's got to weigh on him a little bit. You know, he said in an interview, because that's the question everybody keeps asking him. It's not really weighing on me yet, because I'm hoping I still got a good five, six years left. I'm surprised, because he seemed irritated over the weekend. Well, I I think there were other reasons in the Bush clash to be angry. You know, we all know about that incident. Right. I mean, I guess it's a race is a race to me, and... Yeah. He, he wrecked out of that one. I think right. that that's where the frustration comes from. Believe me, I mean, he wasn't even the most frustrated in that wreck. We're going to get that in a sec. But I think for Kyle Busch, he's not nervous yet because he, and he does. He still has a number of years ahead of him where he's going to be in competitive equipment and still run well. I mean, look at Kevin Harvick. Kevin Harvick is, I mean, what, seven to ten years older than Kyle Busch, and he's yeah. just as competitive. And I see Kyle Busch having a lot of years left to, to pull it off. But he said, you know what? Come talk to me in five years. If I haven't won it, all right, now it's a little different. Now I'm <laughs> now sweating. Now we need to ask questions. Now I'm wondering. <laughs> so he seems to be riding easy, though, so far. See if he can pick it up in uh, his uh, 16th attempt to try and win the Daytona 500 this year. Let's take a look at this Bush clash, though. And more appropriately named the Bush crash, I think, is what everybody's decided <laughs> to say on social media. I see what you did there. <laughs> well, this thing was smooth, and it was, I mean, I'm not going to lie to you. It was a little lackluster to start. You know, and that's it took these a little guys, bit to get. It was what, like seventy-one or seventy-two laps. Well, something until we, anything really. We did not have an accident. You're close there. Lap sixty-seven of seventy-five oh, was the first incident. 70, you were only a couple it, yeah. of laps off. <laughs> but what was more, uh, you know, noticeable is really we had a lot of single-file racing, especially mm-hmm. before the first twenty-fifth uh, lap caution flag that we get to break up the stages. Right. Um, 
And this is something that keeps happening with the Clash, but it's more of a situation where it's like, I don't want to wreck. And what happened when they got to racing? Everybody Whoa. wrecked. <laughs> Everybody. I think one car made it out of this. We started with 18. Do you know there were six cars on the track and one of them was a lap down? They were jo- They were like laughing. They were like, well, this is, this is going great. <laughs> like, I was not convinced we weren't going to see the first race where nobody finished. We'll break this yeah. down for you here. Lap 67, the racing is starting to get intense. And Joey Logano's out in front. Now, this is the one that caused all the drama in the race. Joey Logano, he blocks high for the lead, keeps Kyle Busch behind him. Denny Hamlin's making a run to the inside. Kyle Busch tries to shoot the gap in the middle. That sets off a wreck. Mm-hmm. And honestly, for a second there, I thought Kyle was going to save it. Mm-hmm. Joey Logano, I give him credit. He saved that car until, unfortunately, Kyle clipped back right and, and clobbered him in the quarter panel, sent him spinning. Brad Keselowski destroyed and. At that point in the race, Keselowski had led 33 of 67 laps. That was the dominator. I think the next highest car at the end of the race led 12 laps. Right. So he was mad. Well, angrier than I've seen people in normal restrictor plate wrecks. I mean, he got out of the car. He threw his hands up in the air. He pounded his hands on the ambulance, and he got in the back I'm and slammed the door. I'm surprised he did that because it's not even like his own car. Yeah, I think the ambulance can take it. I think it looked okay. <laughs> Brad's not strong enough to dent an ambulance. I mean, he's, don't get me wrong. Brad, Brad's a good guy. But I think just he's the fact be in that shape. it's like, I don't know. I mean, I, I know you're mad, but I'd be like, don't hit that. Well, <laughs> yeah, what was interesting about this to me is the fact that when Brad was mad and he went off, he went off on his teammate, which is not something you see that Usually, often. Yeah. yeah, I mean, and this is a little bit of what Brad Keselowski had to say. And, and this was not on TV. So you got a little bit more of his frustration. You know, he had to throw a bleep or two in here. But this is what Brad Keselowski had to say to the media um, after the crash that took him out of the Bush clash on lap 67. Just dumb, dumb racing. Just dumb moves being thrown out there. Guys that don't know what they're doing. So they throw crazy ass blocks. And it's just ridiculous. We shouldn't be wrecking all these cars. I'm not Tony Stewart. I'm not as smart as he is. He can say a lot better than I could, but this is just dumb. We had a good race car. My line Ford was capable of winning the race, let a lot of the race. We're in position to finish it off, and we got destroyed for no reason. We all cause wrecks. I get in wrecks all the time, and I cause them, but the same one over and over again. It's the same thing. Somebody throws a stupid block that's never going to work, wrecks half the field, and then goes, uh. And when he did the, uh. He, like, shrugged his shoulders, lifted his hands, I mean, his you, head. <laughs> you can hear the frustration there. Brad Keselowski's upset, and what makes that one so unusual is he is talking about Joey Logano, who's his right. teammate. Now, I, I went and I studied this wreck because I wanted to make sure I had a good understanding of what was happening here. A- and the first block that Joey Logano threw when Kyle Busch tried to go high entering turn three was aggressive. Don't get me wrong, but it worked. But it was clear as day. You knew it. Right. right. And like and you it, said, it worked. It was a great block in terms because mm-hmm. he did. He went up to the high side. Kyle didn't make any contact. We're good. Now, that broke their momentum a little bit. Here comes Denny Hamlin. He's got the run to the inside. Kyle Bush looks to say, okay, I'm not sure he's even aware Denny's down there yet because it's happening so fast. Right. But either way, he's going to try and shoot that middle gap. And there's room barely for him to do that. Now, Brad Keselowski's frustration is that Joey Logano blocked once more and caused the accident. But here's the thing. I looked at this video, and I really don't think that Joey Logano made a second block as they were coming out of turn four. Now, Joey Logano comes down a little bit and causes the accident, but if you look at the video, when Kyle goes to move down, you can see the back end start to come out from under Joey Logano. It's it's subtle, but he starts to get sideways, and at that point... You see Kyle Busch make a little bit of contact, and I don't think that that was anything where Kyle even misjudged. I think that just because Joey Logano got loose, 
it broke the momentum, and right. Kyle Busch wasn't anticipating and, him and to slow Kyle down. And Kyle just happened to be right there to nudge his back bumper. I mean, look, Kyle is behind him, and I don't know why I'm doing hand signals here like I'm a driver, because nobody <laughs> can see this, but he moves down to pass him, and we've seen that before. When you're close to someone's bumper and you try to move out, it can. The air there can get them sideways. It gets them arrow loose. Right. And then at that point, yeah, there was contact afterward. They tried to save it. I think that Brad Keselowski spoke out of frustration mm-hmm. because he didn't really know what happened. And I get from his position, you just see the 22 kind of move down, and yeah, then they start wrecking. It's one thing to not know what happened, and you're going to jump to a conclusion, like you said, and go out of frustration. But another thing to, like... Like, blow up saying your teammate did a stupid move when you don't even 100% know? Like, it's your own teammate, dude. Like, what are you doing? Well, that's what is so unusual about this. You know, normally you're lighter on a teammate, especially, too, on a plate track. You just expect that this stuff is going to happen. Honestly, when I saw Keselowski get out of the car, I'm like, man, he he looks mad. And I'm like, well, he wasn't one of the two cars that started. He just got collected. What happened? Why? I mean, I was kind of surprised to see him so angry. And I don't think he watched that replay beforehand because I think if you watch it and they were debating it on the Fox broadcast you know Mm -hmm. Jeff Gordon was saying look it's tough to tell because it was a subtle slide of the rear tires when he got loose but I really think if you watch it closely and I sat there I paused it I restarted I paused it and I tried to watch the seams on the track to try and see and I I wholeheartedly believe Joey Logano didn't try to block Kyle Busch for that second time I really don't think he did and look I get Keselowski's driving the car behind him and it looks I'm sure it looked like like he went down right Frustration, I think, got the best of Brad Keselowski there. But in the interview, too, with Logano, he was like, I did nothing wrong. Like, what, you know, like, you know, honestly had no idea that, you know, Keselowski was thinking that he pulled this crazy block move and that it was stupid. Like, Logano honestly was like, dude, we're racing. Yeah, and I, like I said, I don't think that he even tried to block. Right. He was clueless. <laughs> he didn't, like I said, he didn't even realize Keselowski, he's like, he's not mad at me. We're good. We're, we're cool like that. I don't know. I don't know. You might want to talk to Brad. Like, but that's the thing. It's like Logano didn't even think anything of it. Well, you know, Brad Keselowski, the question came. So are you going to go talk to uh, Joey Logano, make sure this is smoothed out? And Brad said, I'm going to Disney World with my family. I'll worry about that later. <laughs> and did you hear Logano's response? Joey said, well, I'm going there, too, so I guess <laughs> so we'll have to talk at the... <laughs> we'll meet him there. <laughs> you seen anybody fist fighting in front of Cinderella's castle? Could you imagine? Oh, my God. You know, I think Roger Penske would be pretty <laughs> mad if he found out that his drivers got into kids an argument. Are, not that there's not kids, like, anywhere else, but... Oh. I would be shocked. I mean, I don't even get physical. Could you imagine if they had a war of words at Disney? Mickey, Mickey comes running. <laughs> Disney security has to break up. You know, honestly, I would love... To see a video of that. I, I know I'm like, I want to see the world burn here, but if Joey oh. Logano and Brad Keselowski got into some kind of a fight that was filmed at Disney World, I would be so happy. That would, like, that would get NASCAR views. That's viral. That we need. <laughs> but at the same time, I'm like, that's a great view for the sport. Two NASCAR teammates go to Disney World and fight in front of all the children. Oh my God. Like, all right, cool. Yeah, we're putting on a good face here for NASCAR, making us look great. So, not yeah. like we're not doing that right now. It's a good point. <laughs> Throw each other under the bus. <laughs> I'll tell you what, after all the wrecks we had in that race, which we're just going to continue down this insane line of, I don't know what happened at the end of this race. It didn't make these guys look like the most talented drivers in the world. But right. um, back on the keselowski Logano issue, you know, uh, we're waiting here. I'm tentative, but uh, we have Joey Logano booked for Wednesday mm-hmm. to come on. and It'll be a web feature that you can hear. So I can't wait to see what Joey says after... Maybe watching back that interview, it's all over Twitter. I'm sure he's come across it or even speaking to Brad, whatever it may be. But uh, Joey Logano is supposed to jump on with us here on Wednesday, just waiting for the final confirmation. You know, it's it's Daytona 500 Media Day, so it's a crazy day. Mm -hmm. Hopefully we'll have that interview, though, up Wednesday afternoon with Joey Logano when he's on the show. All right, let's take a look at the rest of this uh, 
disaster that we call the race. <laughs> we get this thing going. It's like, all right, we're going to restart this thing. We're not in overtime yet. Right there, the last two laps. I don't know what the hell happened on that restart. We threw the green flag, and they wrecked big on the restart. The official car count, the 19, the 24, the 6, the 42, the 4, the 1, the 12, the 14, the 88, and the 20, all involved in a restart wreck. Now, I assumed, I believe it was Newman outside row two, went around, and I'm like, all right, clearly he spun the tires, and I think Byron was behind him, got into him, and turned him. But when you watch the replay, they both, on their own, and there's a good gap between them, spin the tires and wreck. It's as if there was oil on the track, but then the guys in front of them were fine, and I didn't see anybody else just spin behind them. They just got collected. Right. It was the weirdest thing, because I keep watching this. I'm like, the 6 car and the 24 car did just spin out identically, as if they both spun the tires in the exact same spot and start wrecking, right? That's what it looks like. I'm watching, and I'm like, I don't understand. I'm just like, what happened? You know, I was Uh, out, uh, we were were chilling out at a, uh, a sports bar, which I normally don't do, but I'm like, this is kind of fun. We have a couple of NASCAR fans around. I'm turning everybody, I'm like... Did you can can you figure that out? Do right. you know what happened? Because nobody had any clue, a- and they wreck them all up there. Now we go NASCAR overtime. We throw the green flag, and then in turn four, we wreck them all again. Can't mm-hmm. get to the white flag. Eleven, nine, one, forty-eight, twenty-two, twelve, fourteen, ten, three, twenty, and the four car all wrecked. Right. And at this point, we've got like there's got to be ten cars on the track, if even. So we do overtime number two. We get to turn four. And they, do, they crash again. Chase Elliott trying to get past the 42. Larson Elliott and the 20 car gets destroyed in this of Eric Jones. We're going for the third overtime. If you did not watch the race, just watch that restart because I've never seen it so sad coming to the green flag. There were six cars. Three rows. <laughs> it, it looked like a um, one of those heat races when you're qualifying for a sprint car race. You know, and they have like six or seven cars. It looked just like that. And Denny Hamlin wasn't even on the lead lap, so there was only five cars that could win this race. Right. We get the restart here, and Austin Dillon probably was the only car that wasn't damaged, and I don't know how it happened. Denny Hamlin, you know, he had nothing to lose, so he just got on the back bumper of the 20 of Eric Jones. Mm -hmm. He shoved him, and what a comfortable feeling if you get out front and you have your teammate who's a lap down pushing you your way in front. You know you're just basically golden. (laughs) There's nobody who's going to pass you. I mean, even if he does pass you, it doesn't matter. He's a lap down. Right. And there's nobody close enough if he makes Mm -hmm. a move. The 20 car was destroyed, and he won the Bush Clash. If you notice when I just read that, he was in the back-to-back big... uh, I'm sorry. He was in three accidents in a row. That started on lap 74 of a 75-lap race. Right. From the time that there was technically two to go, he wrecked three times and still won the Bush Clash. I couldn't believe it. When that car went across the finish line, I mean, the whole front of that car was at a right angle. That may have been one of the wildest things I've seen in recent memory. Uh, By far? It's almost, I mean, I I hate to say it, I mean, because it was wild, it was crazy, you know it was going to happen, but... It's almost a little embarrassing. <laughs> I mean, I don't know what happened at the end of that thing. We could not get to the checkered flag without just a disaster. Um, made it look like a mess, but Eric Jones is the first winner of the Cup Series in Speed Weeks as he takes the checkered flag in the Bush Clash, the Bush Crash, whatever the hell you want to call it. It was just a disaster. I'm you, talk, I was telling you earlier, talk about advertisement for the tape. The Bear Bond, I'll tell you, that stuff is pretty incredible. They, they just got so much... <laughs> Like, like attention from that because now that picture of the vehicle is what everybody sees. I gotta say, 
It's so funny watching NASCAR because you think about Formula One and IndyCar, all the things that they do and high-tech stuff to change these cars. And NASCAR's like, bring out the duct tape and a hammer and beat the living crap out of the car to try and make it somewhat good and then just tape everything back on and right. then try to go 200 <laughs> miles an hour, which they somehow succeed at. It's, it's insane. I, yeah. Joey Logano, or Joey, sorry, Joey Logano. Uh, Eric Jones, mm-hmm. winner of the 2020 Bush Clash. A lot of talk, though. How can we make this race better? You know, because at the end of the day, a lot of that was single file early on, and then you see why the guys go crazy late, because when it's all on the line, I mean, we just Hello. couldn't stop wrecking nonstop, right, and that's right. why they were afraid to do it early on in the race. So the question is, how do we make this race better? Some people say, hey, why don't we make it the original clash? It mm-hmm. was a short shootout where you had to go. I mean, when this thing first came out, it was a 20-lap race. Some people say, hey, let's go back to that. I, I like the longer race. I, because I'm just a NASCAR fan, and we start the season. I want to see a, couple, a little more laps. Get me into the race. Right. What do you think of this, though? Kurt Busch had an idea to try and make these guys race harder the entire time. And a lot of times when I hear a driver say, I got an idea, I'm a little like, mm, what's your idea? Right. I actually like Kurt Busch's idea, though. Break up the money. Every 10 laps, the leader gets some kind of some sort of a cash prize, and then the most, of course, hit the checkered flag. Mm-hmm. But every 10 laps, they award the leader a certain amount of money. <laughs> Five grand, 10 grand, whatever it may be. I think... They're that not going to be single file. Going to put a huge twist. I mean, on every single race and every single lap. Think about the stages. Why did we put those into play? Right. Because we wanted drivers to run harder to be up front at the end of the stages during the race. Now, if we just had stages, nobody gives a crap. No one's doing it. Mm-hmm. But because there's points, now it's different. We put points into the dual races to get people to race a little harder at the end of them. There's a right. playoff point if you win the dual race. I mean, that, that was a big change, too, that really made a difference. Mm-hmm. So I look at this, and I'm like, you know what? That's kind of a good idea. Right. I like that idea. Let's get that in the Bush Clash, and let's make these guys drive for the money. Look, it's not a points race. Right. You know, heck, do that in the All-Star race, too. You know, the winner gets a million, but throw some extra money into those stages. It's going to make people drive harder. Mm-hmm. You've got something on the line. Kurt Busch... I like your idea. I I don't see a problem with that. It's just how much money is the sport going to actually put into it? That's true. But you know what? There's enough money to put into this. I'm sorry. I know it's not because the greatest every, economics. All, all the talk is talking. Everybody is talking that they're trying to save money here and there and do this and change this and that. Is, is this going to be one of the changes that they actually make happen? You know, here's the thing. I think their changes are so focused on cutting team costs. Mm-hmm. I think NASCAR if would be able to throw this money in. I don't think it's a ton of an investment. We're talking once a year. We're talking, you know, maybe a few thousand, you know, yeah, maybe it'll cost NASCAR 80 grand, whatever it is, TV money. Yeah, I don't know how much money they're going to put down when you think about every 10 laps or 70 laps before the checkered flag. Right. E- either way, I-, I don't think that NASCAR is in such bad shape they couldn't throw some money in there. Combination of sponsors, whatever. How the heck, sponsor the freaking prize. I don't care. Mm-hmm. Let it go any way like that. But it puts something on the line. I think it'll make for better racing. What do you guys think, though? Ten grand at the end of every single ten lap period, or any amount of money, whatever they decide to go with that suits KVJ on uh, Twitter. You can hit us up about anything. Also, email mail at kvjshow.com. Put flag to flag in the subject line. We'll forward that on. If you can hear all your comments here on the show, um, talk about a big story that uh, happened over the weekend that I was kind of surprised by. You know, Kevin Harvick is forty-four years old, I believe. He signed through the twenty twenty-one season. Yeah, it's crazy. And before we even got close, he signed an extension. Kevin Harvick through 2023 is going to be racing with Stuart Haas Racing, which, I mean, I I imagine, I don't think he's had his birthday this year. So if that's the case, he's going to be, what, 49 
or so, 48, 49, whatever it may be by the that's time we crazy. get the checkered flag at uh, home or whatever the championship race is in 2023. Right. That's a long-term commitment. I mean, he, he's gotten into Mark Martin territory there, and he's going to be around. And, you know, I think there's a few things that probably drove Kevin Harvick to that decision. First and foremost, he's still competitive. You know, and there's the drive there to do these things. He's always going to be. There's no doubt about that man. Well, I mean, a lot of guys fall off. But you look at Kevin Harvick in his mid-40s, he's championship caliber. He wins races, you know, and he's got four more years on this, you know. And one of the things I, you know, saw in his interview, you know, I spoke to my wife, spoke to the kids. They're like, yeah, do it. I'm like, all right, my family supports it. I want to do it. So let's do it. And, you know, he is cutting back. He said, you know, we've seen a lot of him on Fox Sports uh, race Hub, you know, doing some of the race play-by-play. He's got mm-hmm. the Sirius XM show, um, but he's going to be cutting back most of that, from what I understood, to focus more on his family. That's where he's going to cut the time. And I, you know what? Makes I think sense. it's cool. Yeah. So I'm excited. You know, it's good because we're in a state in this sport where we have a lot of carryover. You know, drivers are leaving, new drivers are coming in, and that's what makes this transition so rough. Mm-hmm. Well, we've got the new guys coming in. We've got Bell, we've got Reddick, we got Hunter Nemechek, um, and, and we've got uh, Cole Custer. Right. But instead of having the, these guys leaving next year, we have four years to hopefully keep these guys in cup and learn about these drivers, build a fan base before a guy like Kevin Harvick steps aside. Mm-hmm. You know, luckily, you know, Brad Keselowski, Joey Logano, Kyle Busch, those guys have a lot of years still left. I mean, you think about they're in their mid-30s. Yeah. They yeah, got they're going to go to the extent that he's going to almost 50 they're yeah, <laughs> I mean, even if they stick around 10 years, right? I mean, that is what we need. They can h- hang in there. Chase Elliott, most popular driver in NASCAR, he's got a long way to go, and he's early in his career, and he's already built a fan base. Mm-hmm. I think that's what we need to see for this sport. I now, really do. question, sort of off topic, speaking okay. of fan base, do you think his fan base came from prior drivers? I think or do a lot you of... think he honestly built the majority of his fan base? I, I know it's totally that... off topic, but just... Well, you know, that's an interesting question, you know, and I, honestly... There's a few aspects to that. Number one, his last name is Elliot. Mm-hmm. This is Bill Elliott's son. Right. And let's not forget, you know, we talk about Dale Jr., all these most popular driver awards. But before that, there was Bill Elliott. The man, I think, won more than Dale Jr. Mm-hmm. The only year in his career from, like, I don't know, it might have been the late 80s or something, um, through to um, the 2003 season, I guess, when he stopped running full time. Um, the only year he did not win most popular driver was when, uh, you know, we lost Dale Earnhardt in 2001, and Dale Earnhardt was crowned the sport's most popular driver. Mm-hmm. That was the only time that happened. And you, you go back and look here. So um, Bill Elliott won most popular driver from 1984 to 1988. Then Daryl Waltrip got it for two years, and then he won it from 1991 to 2000. Then Dale Earnhardt, and then again in 2002. So Elliott is a name in NASCAR that's huge. Then you add on to the fact he came in with Hendrick. He did really good in Xfinity. He's got a great attitude. I mean, the people that, uh, the few girlfriends that I had while Chase Elliott was coming up, every one of them <laughs> thought he was hot. So I'm sure that helped too. Made it awkward when we were watching these things. I'm like, all right, I get it. You think Chase Elliott's hot. Um, but, and on top of that, he replaced Jeff Gordon. And I think the junior fan base kind of came in. To an extent on that. I regret asking this question. <laughs> I, I, I just, I, I'm, I, I'm speaking the truth. This is what people said to me. <laughs> I think he got more compliments oh than me from my high school girlfriend. <laughs> <laughs> Jeremy, you're doing uh, something wrong. No, just kidding. <laughs> I don't know. I just, I'm star. I'm, it's getting real. You know, I'm going to go back to the prep and find something better to talk about before I start crying. <laughs> 
All right. Come over and start like wiping okay. your tears. So yeah, Kevin Harvick, he's sticking around. And Chase Elliott, I like Chase Elliott. He's my favorite guy out there. I shouldn't say that probably because I'm a broadcaster, but I like Chase Elliott. Bubba Wallace. I love the car that he's got for the Daytona 500. Have you seen his paint scheme yet? No. So he's running that one U.S. Air Force scheme where it's designed like one of those old planes. It's got the teeth on the front. It's gray. And what I really thought was a cool little touch when you look at the side of the car, they painted it up so that it looks like the plane is actually built. Like the individual pieces of metal have the outlines where you can kind of see it. I thought it was a very unique design. That took some skill. Bubba Wallace has taken it to another level. And I I, I say Uh Bubba Wallace does some fun stuff. I don't know if I have the stomach for this. And actually, uh, Kevin and Jason were talking about the year of adventure on Mm -hmm. the KVJ show. And we were going to do that last year, but um, it might have been the most unadventurous year in their history. It was the year of boredom. So we're saying, you know what? 2020, year of adventure. They want to do skydiving. I don't know. Have you ever skydived? I will never. Never. Okay, so you have not and you never will. No. I, I, I can do heights. I don't think I can jump from that type of height. It's it's high, and that that freaks me out. I mean, uh, if that you know, makes sense. <laughs> I, I don't think you've uh, ever been to Labadee, but I'm curious if you would do. They have something called Dragon's Breath, and, and Labadee is a Royal Caribbean private island. And that one, I mean, I enjoyed the hell out of it. I don't think I could have jumped off myself. Thankfully, they pulled the uh, chute uh, or like the little stick on the top that holds you on the zipline. You just you got no choice. You're going flying. Oh but my god! It is I think 500 feet on a mountainside. It goes about a half mile. It crosses over the ocean because it's like a half moon shape, and you leave from the mountain and you go over the uh, ocean about you know maybe 50, 60 feet or so off from the beach, and the waves are crashing beneath you. That was cool. 500 feet. Do you think you could do that? 500 feet. That's about 50 stories. No. <laughs> I was like, when you put 500 feet, okay, and then when you put 50 stories, no. Yeah, average story is about 10 feet, so. Yeah, no. Okay. You you want to do it? I've done it twice. I love it. It's great. You I are know, not going to be, like, okay. You wanna... 500 feet freaks you out, then this is really going to freak you out. He's with the Air Force, so Bubba Wallace is going to make his way into the Daytona infield before the duels on Thursday afternoon with the U.S. Air Force. They're going to be delivering Jumping him on Jumping from in. where? He is going to tandem jump with the U.S. Oh Air God. Force Academy Wings of Blue from a height of 10,000 feet. What? Your face, like your eyes just got really big when I said that. Oh, my. Any ch- Okay, if if I was to give you a million how high, dollars. How high is like a regular sky jumping trip? Do you know? You know, I I have no information on it. I mean, I think that that's you know, like if you were to go like just with like a tour group. Or I something. feel like that's probably par for the course. I feel like that's got to be somewhere around there because he's not he's, he's technically an amateur. I feel like they wouldn't put him up too high. Right. But if I give you a million dollars and I said jump out of that plane from ten thousand feet, would you take it? Maybe. All right. So you got a price. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. Uh, looks like I. Uh, if, uh, if I know for sure, I will live. Well, we can't guarantee that. Well, Where's the fun in that? I don't know. <laughs> if uh, you can guarantee me that the parachute is going to inflate, inflate? I guess just open. Open? I don't know anything about skydiving. We are me so either, far as off you can topic tell. here. <laughs> I mean, we're talking how much money I can give you to jump out of a plane, and you're just like, well, guarantee me I'm going to live. That's more uh, important yeah, here's than some, money. Here's something. Well, yeah, you know, a million dollars doesn't do you good when you're dead. <laughs> here's something else that uh, is good news, actually. I just received an email. It looks like we do have Joey Logano Wednesday, so... I think we do have Joey Logano confirmed. We will be able to talk to him Whoa! and ask him about Brad Keselowski. So look for that to drop up on the Flag to Flag Facebook page and all the KVJ uh, podcast platforms that you get this. We'll have that uh, probably Wednesday afternoon for you, a little uh, seven or so minute interview with Joey Logano. Uh, let's talk about, though, the Saturday race. ARCA 
at Daytona, Lucas Oil 200. A lot of talk, you know, about Haley Deegan, especially from us going to that race. You know, I, I, look, I think that she's not being overhyped. Some people will say, yeah, she's being overhyped, but she's got wins. And what other female driver can you say that for? Not to mention, she literally just turned 18. Mm -hmm. She's already in the championship hunt. You know, Derek Krause, I believe, was the champion last year, and that was her teammate. He bested her on that. But she got wins, and, you know, she's no stranger to rubbing his racing. She's had times where she's roughed up guys pretty much every time. You know, it's short track racing. And some people say they don't like that, which if you ever were an Earnhardt fan and you're telling me that you miss bumping and, you know, bumping runs on short tracks, then you're a hypocrite. I'm sorry. You're a total hypocrite. Um, So here we go. Daytona. First time on a you know a big track like that. How is it going to be? Um, first and foremost, start with the winner because the winner deserves the biggest shout out. Michael Self. He finished second in the points, twenty five points off the championship last year. He comes out dominating fashion. Sixty one of the eighty laps he led. So I mean, just a clinic he put on the whole field and picked up his second win at Daytona. So congrats to Michael Self and the car behind him. Second place, Haley Deegan. Second place in her first we race. We were just talking about this. Well, because I was just curious. It's like, look, and you can't hold Daytona really against someone if they wreck. Right. And on look, the flip side of the coin, it's not a barometer of how they're going to do when we put those cars on the track of Kansas. You know, but it's still a mentally challenging race. And a lot of guys didn't finish that race, mm-hmm. which definitely is, uh, you know, it's it's the point for the haters. Well, when half the field wrecks, okay. But, you know, she still finished second. She avoided all that. But Haley Deegan was getting some additional hate after the race. And I think it's so unnecessary. Everybody's looking for a reason to trash somebody. And I'm going to step in and I'm going to defend here. Is it only NASCAR? You know, I I don't know. This is nuts. Like, the amount of hate that people just have to give. Everybody says they're a fan, but then at the same time, everybody That's what I mean. Is it, like, just the sport? Like, I don't get it. I don't know. I, you know, I got to start reading like NFL fan pages to see how much they bash people that they say they right. like. Right. So on lap 51, Haley Deegan was in a single file line. She was behind Chuck uh, Hears, I believe is his name, um, number 11 car. And off of turn two, she got into the back of him and turned him around head on into the wall. Huge shit. Mm-hmm. And then people were like, well, you know, I mean, she finished second, but can't stop herself from just wrecking people out there. That's what she likes to do is wreck people. I'm like, look, this was a bump draft. The first time she's on a plate track, can you seriously sit there and tell me you haven't seen every driver that's ever been in a stock car accidentally wreck somebody bump drafting? Right. Give, give me, me give a me break. break. Right, exactly. <laughs> I'm so sick of this stuff. I mean, she is 18 in her first ever race on a super speedway, and she turns someone trying to give a push. The, the stinking veterans of the cup races do that. Let's go back to Talladega last year, okay? The fall race. Kyle Busch was going for the lead, being mm-hmm. pushed by his teammate, and he got turned. And it's the end of the world all of a sudden because it's an 18-year-old? <laughs> Bump drafting is a part of the sport and always causes wrecks. Doesn't matter who you are. Everybody does it more than once in their career. So why I, are we I, going after an 18-year-old who is making their first ever race at Daytona for causing an accident by accident. Because she's famous and they're not. Because people literally say, she's making money and they're not. And what else, like you said, what else do you have to say to that? Anybody who comes in with any kind of hype or has a famous uh, family, you know, Brian Deegan from the X Games. Right. I think that's part of the hate too. But everybody has to find a reason to hate because people are hyping up Haley Deegan and they should be hyping her up. Look, to me, you got to look at things. You want to look at things as driver versus driver, not female versus male. But at the end of the day, 
This is something that hasn't been done before. A female driver has not gone into the K&N Pro Series, won three races in the previous season, and almost won a championship, been in that title hunt at the end of the season. Right. That hasn't happened. So she comes in and she runs well. I'm sorry, you got to give credit to that because it is different. Whether you want to acknowledge it or not, at the end of the day, stats still matter. But she ran well, she earned her keep, and she's coming into ARCA and not rushing either. And she did well. But she caused one wreck, and that's what people want to look at. Give me a break. It's always the bad that everybody focuses on. You always got to find the bad. Although I will say one thing. The people who were defending her, I liked that a lot, and I enjoyed watching you all fight. Because it it gave me some entertainment on Saturday night when I was killing some time. Eating popcorn. (laughs) Oh, I'm having fun. I'm like, man, I got to order some food here for the show. This is enjoyment. Um, Interesting, too, I did see, you know, while we're on the topic here of uh, Speed Weeks and all this stuff, I'm curious how the dates are going to line up next year. Um, Pre-sale tickets actually are are already on sale as of today for the next Daytona 500, the 2021 running, which I was kind of surprised to see on sale so early. Mm -hmm. But the date is what grabbed my attention. It is still on President's Day weekend. I believe, yes, it is. And it is going to fall on Valentine's Day. So February 14th, 2021 is the next Daytona 500. So here's the thing. Sunday the 7th is before that, and then Sunday, January 31st is before that. The Super Bowl is the first Sunday of the year. In February, February, part of the the year. uh, Of February. So that makes it fall on the 7th, which is one week before the Daytona 500. Now, the 500 is always two weeks later. And then you have the one week in between where you have the clash, you have qualifying. All the extras. That's yeah. all going to be on Super Bowl weekend then, right? Because a week before is Super Bowl Sunday. So how are they going to set this up? Because everything is on Sunday with the clash and the 500 qualifying. You'd be a madman to put that up against anything, even the pregame stuff for the Super Bowl. Right. I got to imagine they're going to have to do everything on Saturday, and that's still probably going to hurt. Have they said everything. anything about Saturday? We're sure. still waiting on this 2021 schedule. You know, that's the thing. The only date we know for sure, because it's going to be probably radically different, right. is the Daytona 500. Because, I mean, look, the tickets are on sale. The date is obviously set in stone if we right. have tickets on sale for the 63rd Daytona 500. I'm very curious to see how they set that up. Something else that I'm interested in. We talked about the rumors, but it appears NASCAR is taking a serious look. And that was the quote from Adam Stern, which, you know, Adam Stern is always on point when he gets information. I believe this is coming from Steve Phelps, the NASCAR president. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was. Um, Steve Phelps has effectively, effectively confirmed that NASCAR is exploring a street race around a football stadium, saying there are opportunities we're exploring that seem radically different. And, you know, it's about a 50-50 split of people who are like, oh, something new, that's all we want. Do something different. Oh, you're doing something different? You people are idiots. (laughs) It's terrible. uh, It's a bad idea. Don't do it. (laughs) Give it a shot. Let's try that. Why'd you do it? (laughs) It looks like the two places that are are being considered right now is the uh, Los Angeles Coliseum and Soldier Field are the two stadiums that have been named. Interesting to see what happens, but we continue to wait on the 2021 schedule, mm-hmm. which we're expecting sometime before April. So hopefully we won't have to wait too long to know exactly what's going to be happening in 2020. Uh, 2021, rather. Right. Well, before we get out of here, uh, you know, we decided to do something a little fun this year. We always do the fantasy picks and try to keep some points amongst ourselves and all this crap. Well... I was with a friend who was showing me the fantasy live they do. I haven't done it in a few years. And NASCAR's got a cool little fantasy live setup. And it's free. So I thought, you know, it might be cool. Is what is if we it get free, a, free? It's free, free. Okay. Free, 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 or whatever they do in that commercial. <laughs> <That's> a, <laughs> you caught it. <laughs> I, I caught it just because my mom really hates that commercial. And she constantly, every time I see it on TV, she's like, Ugh. Free, free. So, free. yeah, it, it stuck with me. Um, 
We're going to do a flag-to-flag fantasy league. It's open to the public, so you can jump in and play with us. Just go to NASCAR.com, and you, you can do it on the app, too. You just enter your email and a password You're for an account. You're going down. Oh, okay. We haven't even picked yet. You're already throwing. You're already uh, S-bomb talking me here. Let's see what happens. We'll see what happens. But, okay, uh, you know what? I, I read the rules. The game's a little Keep different. Keep the same luck that you had last season. Uh, excuse I'll me. Really win. I believe I won last season. At least I did before no. we lost track of it. I was doing decent. You know what? Wesley isn't here anymore, so I'm going to say he was the worst, just because he's not here and he can't defend himself. Okay, here's how it works. Free on NASCAR.com or the app. It's a public league, so just look up flag to flag. You can come on and join, no password or anything. And you can pick five drivers every race. And there's not, there's no like, you know how it used to be like, okay, you had a hundred bucks to spend. Right. This time, that's not the way it works. You can pick whoever you want. But so what they did is during the regular season, you got to strategize this. You can only pick a driver 10 times through the first 26 races. So if you're using someone all the time, you're going to lose them at the end. Exactly. So when I was thinking of my Daytona 500 picks here, and I haven't made them all yet because we still have duels and it doesn't close till Sunday. Right. I'm thinking to myself, okay, this is a wild card race. This is the time to keep some of the good guys off of my roster and throw in someone like I, you know, I put Ross Chastain, I think on my, my short list. Cause I'm like, if there's a race, I'm only, Ross is only running two times This a is year. one that you want to put the newbies on. Cause you never yeah. know. <laughs> it, it's restricted plate racing or right. it's not restricted plate racing. I, it's, right. it's super speedway racing, whatever you call it now. But either way, I think that's a good little strategy for this one. So you can use them up to 10 times per the regular season. And then when the playoff rolls around, you can use them that resets. You can use them up to five times. And then what I believe it is, is you can only though pick um, two playoff drivers per race so you can't pick like five playoff drivers okay. in the races and the other thing that's kind of cool is you get one additional garage pick mm-hmm. so let's say you pick your five guys they're your starters and then you pick a guy in the garage and let's say one of your guys rex or is just doing terrible and you don't feel confident on him mm-hmm. before the start of stage three you can swap your garage driver for someone else that you have sitting oh. there but once stage three starts then it locks so okay. you can do that up until then and then you can get bonus points if you pick the pole winner both the stage winners race winner or manufacturer they each pay a bonus point so you can pick an individual person and heck if you get lucky you get bonus points and a little championship so right. a lot of fun thing to do it takes five seconds to get on it i mean i created the whole league in literally two yeah, minutes you literally walked out of the studio came back in you were like i'm okay, done it's done <laughs> so yeah jump on it uh flag to flag is all you got to search uh we use uh the to not the number two because some people get that confused i think they put a two in our logo even though it wasn't supposed to be a two, which could be confusing. Flag to flag, search it up, public league, and uh, let's see here. You'll take us on and hopefully don't make us look like it complete idiots. That would be nice. Uh, um, you already have things to say. I'm not... <laughs> Here's where you can watch this weekend before Kristen starts tearing me apart once again. You've got a lot to say for someone who hasn't even created their account yet. Listen, it's all in my head. I think about it. Who's going to win the Daytona 500? All right. You're so smart over there. Let's hear it. Let's go. Um, Kyle Busch. All right. He's going to break the streak. Yeah. All right. Kyle Busch. That's who you're going with. I am going to roll the dice because that's all you can do. I am going to say, you know, actually, I got to be honest. I love Ross Chastain. I'm hoping he doesn't win the 500 because I might lose my mind. Remember I wanted to bet on him Uh last week? Because he was 200 to 1. Did you? Before I could, before they even took to the track, they changed his odds to 25 to 1. If he wins that race and I just missed out on four grand, I'm going to lose my mind. (laughs) Now you're going to regret it. At least he's in my fantasy roster, probably. Uh, You know what? Uh, Shannon Spake told me she thinks Jimmy Johnson will win the 500. I say that's not going to happen. And let's throw it out there. My boy, Chase Elliott, he's got this plate thing down. He's getting better and better. 
There's mm-hmm. no plates on it. One of these days, I'm going to remember there's no plates on these cars anymore. We know what you mean. <laughs> Everybody, yeah, you know what I mean. Yeah. Chase Elliott is going to be my uh, pick here for uh, the Daytona 500. But then again, I could have just rolled a dice with different drivers' names on it and been just as accurate. Well, like we were saying last week, you literally cannot pick anybody for any of these types of tracks. You, you can't. can't. <laughs> as you can tell from yesterday. Yeah, the most just beat up car. <laughs> Eric Jones in a car that probably would have blown up if it had to go more than two more, laps. Well, yeah, more than one lap. <laughs> exactly. All right, here's where you can catch all the action. It starts out on Thursday night. The dual races, the Blue Green Vacation Duels, 7 p.m. on Fox Sports 1. We'll find out who's going to be running in the Great American Race and where they're going to be starting. Then on Friday night is the Next Era Energy Resources 250, the season opener for the NASCAR Gander Outdoor uh, RV and Truck Series, 7.30 p.m. on FS1. Xfinity taking to the track on Saturday to kick off their season. The NASCAR Racing Experience 300, that's 2.30 p.m. on FS1. And then the big deal. The NASCAR Cup Series, the 62nd annual running of the Great American Race, the Daytona 500. Pre-race on Fox starts at 1 p.m. and the green flag shortly after 2.30 in the afternoon. Going to be a fantastic race. And then we're back on Monday talking it all over with you. And that one going to be our debut back on the airwaves at Fox Sports 640. You can catch us live, or not live, but you can catch us 9 p.m. on Fox Sports 640. And a lot of times we do the podcast a little extended for you right here on the podcast app so you get the stuff we couldn't fit into our one hour time slot so if you want to get in uh, touch with the show a little extra haterade Uh, (laughs) alright I'm done Uh, I'm going to pretend that I didn't hear that If you want to get in touch with us, you can get involved with the whole show. Flag to Flag on Facebook, at SuitsKBJ on Twitter. You can hit me up, uh, mailkbjshow.com. You can email us as well. Hey, uh, hit me up on Instagram, at SuitsKBJ as well. Whatever you want to do. Any questions about the Fantasy League, you can hit us up about that too. And uh, if you want to join our team to play, well, our competition in our Fantasy League, remember, it's uh, Flag to Flag, the name of that one, right on NASCAR.com. Thank you so much for hanging with us. We'll be back to recap the Daytona 500. That's what's next. Can you believe it? And, uh, you know, we might hop on with you here. Maybe uh, try to do a little video blog later on in the week if we got the time to uh, talk about some of the races that are going to be happening. So we'll talk to you guys later. Thank you so much for jumping on and hanging with us. It's Flag to Flag. I'm Supes from the KBJ Show. Krista Chopletti here with me as well. Thank you so much for spending your day with us.